Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bang, yeah. you know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look to Ed, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you know, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and keep us motivated. So, yeah. Hello? Yes, sir. What's up? What's up, bro? How you doing, Mr. Dobson? Man, I'm good, bro. My bad for the technical difficulties. I think it's because I'm doing it from the iPad. It's okay. It's all good, you know. Yeah, but but nah, man. I'm definitely glad to have you on today, bro. I appreciate it. No problem, man. I, I appreciate you for thinking about me and, and having me on, you know. Yeah, nah, for sure, bro. Like, you know, when I started this in January, you know, it was one of my uh, good men that was locked up. He wanted to do an interview just pretty much talking about his experience in prison. And after that, I just flipped into a podcast. So, like, I tell everybody to come on here, you know. It's some, it's a few people that I kind of met along the way, but it's usually people that I kind of met and really, you know, had, like, an impact on my life. So, like, part of the show and, like, what we're going to do today is, like, you telling your story and all that stuff, but also, like, me, like, giving you your flowers. Because, like, you know, we met at a time when I was fresh out of undergrad, you know, working in the city. And, you know, man, you, I could always count on you to give me some law, pick me up, Joan, whatever it is. And, you know, I appreciate that, bro. And it's, like, just looking from afar, seeing all the good stuff you're doing in the community, for the city, for your family and everything. Like, I definitely know that you represent, you know, what it means to chase your dreams by any means. So. I'm happy to have you here today. I'm speechless. It's very seldom that I get to sit down with a young fella such as yourself, man, and to hear all the great things that you just said about me, man. You know, I appreciate it. I truly appreciate it. You know, I was about to crack a joke, but I'm going to save the joke for later on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure, man. But yeah, bro, you know, man, like this episode, man, and I title all the episodes usually before or after, but this one. I titled it because I always see you put it and I think it represent, you know, everything that you kind of stand for and the perseverance and everything you always talk about. But game ain't based on sympathy. Ah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what that's what today is. You know, that's what today is. So, you know, man, just start off telling people, you know, a little bit about yourself, man, and we could jump right into it. All right. Cool. My name is Derek Colbert, man. Born and raised near Washingtonian. Been residing in Ward 8 my whole entire life. I'm a son. I'm a father of five daughters, man. I'm the youngest of four boys. My mom worked for the federal government for 32 years to make sure her sons can actually have a great life and afford us everything that we needed. My father went off to the war. What I mean by the war is, I mean the streets war. Mm -hmm. He got caught up, right? He got caught up, so he got hooked on heroin. And this heroin addiction kind of tore my family apart. So at the age of 10, I had to put my father out the house and my life kind of just took a meaning of, a, of his own from the age of 10 to 22 years old. You know, I yeah. wanted to be the biggest gangster. I wanted to be the biggest dope dealer. I wanted to be the biggest whatever you can think of, right? I had that void inside of me because I saw my superhero lose the battle to his kryptonite, right? So I wanted the whole entire world to feel my pain. So I, so I done a lot of things that, you know, I'm not going to say I'm proud of, but they helped me to grow into the man that I am today. You know, I met my wife, Juanita, who's my wife to this day, but I met her um, at, when we was 15, 16 years old. And she really, God really allowed her to help change my life. You know, we are teen parents, had both my oldest daughters at, at a very young age. 
And we just persevered throughout it all. You know, we never allowed our situations or our circumstances to define who we were, right? My mom always used to tell me this, and it stuck with me to this day. She used to tell me and my brothers this, like, never allow your zip code to define you, but you always define your zip code, right? And growing up here in the city, a lot of times people defined you based upon your zip code or what part of the city that you come from. Right. And if you really don't know me, then you wouldn't know that I'm from the South Side, or what we call here in DC Southeast, the South Side. Or you wouldn't know that I'm from Ward Eight, because DC is broken into two different wards, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people meet me, they feel like I'm from uptown because I got the uptown swagger with me. That's yeah. because my mom always made sure that we was culturally sound and well growing up as well. So that's just who I am. And today, I have the pleasure of working for the city, for the government as well. I don't want to dive too deep into that, but I have the pleasure of working for the city, something that I could never imagine doing 10 years ago, right? I never wanted to work for the government, but I understood that everything that we do in this world is political. So I decided to jump into the D.C. government, and the government bug bit me, and I have advanced throughout my whole entire career. So that's that's who I am in a nutshell. I'm a very humble person as well. Yeah, yeah, nah, for sure. Yeah, one thing I observed about you, bro, being around you, I feel like when I'm around you, I see you, I feel like you always thinking. Like, like even if you cracking jokes, laughing, whatever, it's like you being deep thought of that. And, yeah, yeah now nah, I was going to say, you know, just hearing, like you said, you know, now I'm working with the government and me, like, knowing and seeing the work you do in your community and what you just said about your pops, you know, like, I wanted to ask, you know, what, what role did, you know, that addiction that pops dealt with and you said from 10 to 22, you know, having that rough trial, like, how much of an impact does, did that have on the work that you do today for the people? Actually, the earlier part of my life has a major impact into the work that I do, right? Because the other part of that is, yeah, my father lost the battle to kryptonite, but I also watched my father regain his strength and his dignity by beating addiction and actually becoming one of the best recovery specialists here in the city, right? Him and my mom showed me how to serve people. You know, I said my mom worked for the government for 32 years, right, for the federal government. But my mom always had a heart of a servant. My father always had a heart of a servant. So when I watched my dad actually beat his addiction, I regained my love for my superhero. And I realized that the death and destruction that I was causing to my community, that I had an obligation to go back and rebuild. And... One of, the, one of the things that I always like to tell people was when I first jumped into this work, I was relatively young. I was 18, 19 years old when I first started doing community work. Yeah. And the reason I started doing community work was because by the time I was 19, I only had one childhood friend that was alive. Mm. Right? I lost my first childhood friend at the age of 13 years old. Mm. We walking, and, and I just have to share this, this story um, to your audience. And we walking to school on that Monday morning. And I went to PR hers back then. It was called Friendship. I went to, uh, so we had to actually walk through our playground to get to the front of the building. Yeah. And we walking through the playground and we see our friend laying on, laying on the playground with four bullet holes in, in his head, you know, at the age of 13 years old. So just imagine what that does to a 13 year old back then, right? So everyone around me started carrying guns. Everyone around me thought that is that I'm not going to be the next one to go out like this. So yeah. the addiction that I watched my father battle with really 
helped me to become the public servant that I am today because I felt like, you know, I had, I walked the same trial and I walked the same miles and I walked the same paths that a lot of people in the city has walked. And I felt like I had the capacity enough to actually help someone come from out of the, the traps that, that, that they was in because I was actually able to navigate the muddy waters in that quicksand to actually be able to come out on the end. So it has a direct impact and a direct influence on the work that I have done over the past, wow, 21 years has been a public servant. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, bro. You know, man, I know one thing you mentioned earlier about your wife. You know, even though we know each other, you know, I still did my little research before we got up on the call. <laughs> so I seen the, the podcast, it was talking about, you know, if it wasn't for her. And I watched, uh, you know, a little bit of that interview. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, it's like it spoke to me because even before I came across that, just from, you know, like online, Instagram, Facebook, like I could tell that like, you know, everybody show their wife off when they married, but like, nah, like from the captions and the pictures, like I could tell you really value her and you really value family. And even like the last time I seen you at the basketball game or every time I see you, if it ain't the community, it's like you on the trip, you know, with your wife and the girls and all that. So, you know, talk about like, you know, family, bro, and like what that means to you and the role that your wife, you know, playing just everything that you have going on. Family is everything, right? For me, family, people say that, but I, I truly mean it, right? Family yeah. is everything because growing up, you know, yeah, I talked about all the hardship, right? But, you know, we also had love within our family structure as well. And I made a vow to myself when I had my family that I would never allow anything to tear my family apart the way that I watched addiction tear my father and my mother apart, right? So I knew I had to make a conscious decision to make sure that I was bringing my best to the table at all times. And on top of that, my wife, before she even became my wife, challenged me to become better. Mm -hmm. Because the the era that I just described, we talking about the late 80s, uh, all the way up to like 96, 97, right? When things was plentiful in here in the city, right? She never cared about the materialistic. She always cared about who I was as an individual. Mm-hmm. And she used to tell me this all the time, like, I don't want no money from you. I don't want you to take me here. I don't want you to buy me this. I want you to become, I want you to leave that life behind and become the person that I know that you are deep down inside. Yeah. Right? So I value that was the first time in my life to, at the age that I was, hearing someone basically tell me that they care about me and they love me. Right, like that—that that means something to a, a young black male to hear them words, "I love you," right. and and not only to hear that, but to see in the action as well, right? Yeah. So I knew I had an obligation to make sure I repaid that back as much as possible. So fast forward, you know, when we had our children, and I knew that I I needed to be around for my kids because I watched my friends go to prison, I watched my friends get murdered, and I watched other people step in to care for their children or fake care for their kids, right? Right. Uh, and and I didn't want that for my two girls. So I really just, man, I really just done everything that I needed to do to make sure that I kept my family together. Now, we've been married for 22 years, right? And it's been a blessing, but also I have to say this to the audience as well. Like, you know, it's been some challenging times, mm. but I, but the biggest thing is we always 
communicate with each other, we always bring it back to that unconditional love, right? Because we told each other we're going to love each other unconditionally. And right. we're going to weather every storm that we can weather together. So family is the most important thing for me. And family should be the most important thing for any Black man that has a family here in America because if you really stop and think about how the destruction of our Black community um, really started happening was they they removed the black man from out of the family structure. Yeah. Right? Family, yeah. Yeah. They, and so once you tear that family apart, what you think was going to happen? Everyone's going to fend for themselves. And there's not going to be any true love within our household. So now the son going to go out here and he angry because he don't have a superhero around him to mm-hmm. hide him, to help nourish him, to help love on him. And the young lady, she's confused because she really don't know what it means to be loved by a man. So the first male that shows her some kind of affection, she felt like it's love there, right? right? And so then we can go talk about how, you know, if the family is not strong, if it's not a f- strong family nucleus, then how it translates over to the education system and to everything that we can think of as, as relates to the social ills that we all face. So family is everything to me. Like, honor my family, right? Because I say this all the time. My wife saved my life. And I don't have no problem with admitting that, right? She saved my life. Like, everybody looked at us as being young parents, right? We were 16, 17 years old when we had our first two daughters, right? Yeah. And as we matured, I realized that was the creator blessing me with these two beautiful babies and also my wife Juanita as well because he knew what I needed at that time in order for me to change my trajectory here in, in life. So, yeah. yeah, they saved me. They they truly saved me. Yeah, yeah, nah, for sure, bro. And, and you know, like I always tell people, you know, me, me and like Kenny and some of my boys, we always talk about like, you know, it's, it's struggles still. It's definitely a lot of struggles still in the city, but we be thinking like, Man, back then, you know, y'all had a lot going on, like with the crack epidemic, you know, like it was just so much going on. Like, I feel like it was like you easily could have sipped up in the crack uh, cracks. And we done seen it where you had people back then probably make one mistake and it cost the rest of their life in prison or they died. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, to, to hear you say like, you know, y'all was that young. And like you said, 22 years, man. That's another thing to applaud, man. Some people don't need last 22 days of marriage. <laughs> so when you said that, I, I didn't know y'all met that young, bro. Like, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, we've been together up since we was uh, 16 years old, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we've been together a total for 28 years, been married for 22, man. So what's the so so for all the young black men out there listening, man, whether they single, married, relationship, what, what's some jewels you could drop to them to kind of keep that thing together? Communication. Never stop dating. And I mean that, right? Because a lot of times we get comfortable. And I'm speaking from experience because I got comfortable as well, right? Yeah. Um, and my wife got comfortable as well, too, right? We can't, don't never get comfortable and never stop dating because the thing is, the moment that you stop dating is the moment that the, the sparks and the flames and all the intimacy goes away, right? It was the reason why that female made you court her before you really got with her, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, us males, we feel like, okay, well, once we actually get that female, once we get her, once we bag her, right, oh, we, our job is done. Right. Well, it's your job to continue to keep her as well. Yeah. And I ain't talking about just doing material lifting stuff, because a lot of times, men think, oh, man, as long as I put her in this, or as long as I buy her this, then she's good. Like, nah. What I had to learn is a human being spells love by T-I-M-E. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to make sure that we put that time and spend time. So, like you said, every time you see me, if it's not community, I'm with my family, right? Yeah. Because I had to make sure that I I put that time in. Because at one time I wasn't putting the time in. I was chasing my career. I thought my I thought I needed to be doing all the stuff to secure the foundation for my family, and not knowing that that was taken away from my family, and they was missing out, and we we was missing out on a lot of time, right? Yeah. So I had to go back and say, you know something, I have to put that time in. So make sure that you stay constantly communicating, stay honest with each other, you know, and put that time in, and never lose your personal identity because one thing that I didn't do, one thing that my wife didn't do, we didn't lose who we were as individuals. Yeah. Right? We still who we are. And that's what made her fall in love with me. And that's what made me fall in love with her. And a lot of times people feel like, okay, well once you get married, then you have to lose who you are. I'm not saying continue your single behavior. I'm not right. saying that at all. I want to be clear about that, yeah. right? <laughs> I want to be clear about that. But I'm also saying that you can't lose who you are because she know that I need at least a day out of the week for myself. Yeah. I ain't doing nothing wrong. I just need I just need that me time. And I know that she need at least two days out of the week for herself, right? <laughs> yeah. So I give her we give each other that space and when we come back together, like it's a beautiful thing. And like every Thursday and Friday we find time to date each other. Okay. You know, if we are in the house and we going out, whatever the case may be, we spend we find the time to date each other like we locking in we i'm not on no phone or any of that we locking in and spending that time with each other man so that so then the jews right there and keep people out your business yeah that's the most important thing right (laughs) like keep people out your business especially people that you know that don't don't mean you well right they just want to be nosy they just want to be all up in your business they just want to be like okay well yeah they just want to be all up in your business keep them out of your business man and, and know who's in your circle and my final thing on that is always find someone that's going to keep it a buck with you or keep it a hundred with you and let you know, like, hey, nah, you out of line, man. Get yeah. yourself back in line, right? You need them kind of people around you because them people are going to check you every time. And both of us have them people around us that check us when she feel like she right and 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 I'm wrong. Well, oh, she feel like, oh, I feel like I'm right and she wrong. They check us like, nah, like you wrong in this situation. Yeah. And I have that knowledge now. So them are the Jews right there I would drop, I would drop tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's good, bro. And, and I know you said, so five daughters? Yeah, buddy. What's the ages? <laughs> 20, 28, 26, 20, 11. We're about to be 12 and 8. Man. <laughs> so you probably got like 10 shotguns, huh? <laughs> Hey, man, you know, I come from a large family, bro. <laughs> but now nah, I mentioned that because it made me think about what you were saying earlier about how, you know, if, in our community where a lot of people didn't grow up without the dad. So you may have, you know, a female not knowing, you know, what to expect mm-hmm. from a male and those type of things. So like, you know, your relationship with your daughters, like when they were small and the ones that are adults now, like kind of just talk about like that. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing because when I just reflect on the relationships that I have with my daughters, man, I can truly say that they probably don't look at me as their best friend, but I can say they're my best friends, right? (laughs) Because we, I never hid anything from them. I never hid it. I always, always believed in 
tell them all my children the truth, right? Because I, because once they leave from out of our presence, and and I just need to elaborate on them on that a little bit more because once your child leaves your presence, right, they go out into this world and they experience so many things that sometimes we know about, sometimes we don't know about, right? And if we and they say that the parent is the child's first teacher, mm-hmm. so we are not truly keep preparing our children for this world and and really letting them know exactly the good, the bad, and the ugly, then we are setting them up for failure. And I never, well, I ain't gonna say I, but my wife and I never wanted our children to actually go out into the world and not be equipped for it, right? If someone would have told me early on in my life when I was over my grandparents' house and watching all the parties downstairs in the basement with the strobe lights in, in this very cloudy and foggy down there and everybody seemed like having a good time, right? If they would have told me like, hey, you don't want to go down this road and they would have told me why and they truly explained it to me, then I don't think I would have went down that road, right? So my daughters and I, I mean, always just kept it a, kept it a hundred with them. We talked about everything. We talked about everything under the sun, you know, even when they started dating and started having little boyfriends and stuff. I'm like, you know, <laughs> that was hard for me, right? Because I know you was, I know you was pressing bad as out, man. Yeah, I, I was. I truly was, right? And I'm still in, right? But <laughs> I had to realize that if I pressed too hard, then that was going to run the guy away. Yeah. And that was going to make my daughter resent me. So I had to say, you know something, let me sit down and have a conversation with you. Not about the birds and the bees, but about the male and the female, right? Because mm-hmm. I never seen a bird hump and I never seen a bee hump, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, so I'm gonna tell you how you got here, and I'm gonna tell you what you need to be prepared for, and you know, and we just had this open communication and this bond that we just talk about everything, and it's beautiful because I wanted to be the reflection of the of the man that they choose to be with for a long term one day, right. right? Or even on the short-term, you know, relationships, right? I always want them to make sure that they never allow anyone to treat them different than what I treated them and also with how they see me treat their mother and their grandmother as well, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, nah, no, nah, that's solid, bro. Because I, I know, man, like, just like you said, just the, the reality of our community is like, bro, I could count on my hand how many females I dated, like, they had their father in their lives, like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's crazy, like, is Ivy locked up, dead, or just ain't know him at all? Yeah. And it's like, I'm saying that to say, because I know, like, for, I know the guys that probably did, they probably had a similar uh, situation before they, you know, dated your daughter, and it probably was a new experience for them to have to go to the house to meet a man, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is true. I mean, out of all my daughters that, that's been dating, right, only one of the guys know their father. Mm-hmm. Only one. And even to this day, and my daughter is, is not a thing anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But the love that I showed him when he was coming around me built a lifetime relationship with this young man. Yeah. Because he never experienced a male engaging with him on a positive level the way that I engaged with him on. Right. Mind-blowing, man. Like, it, it's mind-blowing. And sometimes it, it, it's sad. And I just sit back sometimes and Ed and just be, just be thanking the creator, man. Like I'm, like just thanking him for, man, just blessing me and just shining his favor and his mercy and his grace upon me, right? Because, my God, I easily could have been one of them numbers, man. Easily. 
And, and yeah, and I saw in um, that interview I mentioned earlier, I saw somewhere you said you were sitting outside and you heard like the word, you know, the, the, the voice just say, your time is not done. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a, I was, a, I was one of my favorite spots. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to see a whole bunch of people up there. Right? But <laughs> <laughs> I go to the mountains um, at least twice out of the year. And that particular moment, I was transitioning, you know, I was transitioning and it was a very dark moment because I was learning my alphabets. I'm going to say it that way, right? I was <laughs> I was learning my <laughs> alphabets, right? And I was beefing with this dude called Rico. So I'm going to say it that way, right? So I was <laughs> so, so I was, yeah, so I was trying to figure it out, man. I said, I'm going to the mountains. And I'm sitting out there just trying to figure out, like, what's my next plot? Like, it, and I'm going in, and somebody going to take me out. Like, and I heard God speak to me, man, clear as day. Like, man, you know something? Hey, you're not done. Your time is not over. Like, you about to embark on a path of greatness. You about to embark on a path of greatness. And actually, in hindsight, I actually compare that that moment to the moment that Jacob was on a mountain wrestling with God when God broke his hip. Mm-hmm. You know, and God renamed him. So when I left that particular uh, time in the mountains, from that experience, I felt like God broke my hip and renamed me and set me on the path to become great and do all the great things I have done thus far in here in life. Yeah, yeah, nah, bro, that, that's that's like commendable, bro. You know, like I just think about just, just hearing your story about what you overcame and what you had going on and looking at the work you do today. I want to ask, like, because now, like, I feel like you've been doing this work. A lot of people have been doing this work, like you, Silas, Tony, when it comes to, like, helping these guys that are coming home and helping them get back on track. But, you know, as of lately, you know, mass incarceration is now, like, it's a hot topic where you got the celebrities and all these different people now getting on board. So kind of just speak to, like, you know, somebody that's really been in the trenches with it, in the field with it, before it became, like, a hot thing and everybody then became woke. (laughs) Kind of talk about, like, you know, that experience on, like, helping these people because, I mean, we all know it's a population that, you know, they come home, you can have the best intentions, but it's like, man, if you can't find that job, they're right back to the street. So just wrong place at wrong time. So talk about, like, you know, your experience. Thank you for that, man. I mean, it's been the people business was one of the most harder business that you can be in, right? Because when you know how you have navigated and overcame or you know how other people, your peers have navigated and overcome the things as well, right? You want that for everyone that experienced the trauma, that experienced the poverty and all the kind of things that happens in the black community, right? And a lot of times what I had to learn, what I had to learn the hard way was the individual that you seek to help have to want that help more than you. Yeah. You know, because we can fight every day for more jobs. We can fight every day for more equity. We can fight every day for more, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But if that particular individual don't want it or they're not ready for it, then there's nothing that we truly can do. And it's one thing that one of one of my mentors told me a while back, right, when I was having a difficult time in this arena. It was like, you know, um, only thing that you can do is just plant the seed. He said, sometimes you just got, he said, sometimes you just plant that seed and somewhere down the line, someone going to come water that seed, right? Yeah. He said, then someone else will come actually see how the crop is actually growing and start picking the crop and pruning the crop so it can grow correctly, right? Then one day somebody will actually come and actually 
pick it off the tree and, and actually it's going to be a finished product. He said, so sometimes you just got to realize that you're going to fall in, into one of them categories and you have to be okay with that. And that was very eye-opening for me because I'm like, wow, like I'm spending my wheels thinking, man, I'm out here busting my butt trying to help you people, help everyone. And no one is actually, I ain't going to say no one, but you know, some folks wanted it and some folks didn't want it, right? Right. Some folks was only doing it to make their family happy or make sure they didn't get violated and sent back and things like that as well. But mm-hmm. then you had some people that was truly tired. They was tired of going around in a circle of the same trauma that they've been dealing with their whole lives and now they spending spilling it over to their children, right? They was tired of that cycle of going in and out of prison. So the them ones right there, man, I would truly and it's more people out here that want it yeah. versus more people that don't want it. I want to be clear about that, right? But it's also, it's about when people truly want it, it's about getting them to see that once you have that opportunity in front of you, then maximize that opportunity all the way to the max. Don't leave anything on the table as it relates to that opportunity. And, and I have to kind of this, um, explain, it to, explain it this way. DC, people that experience extreme poverty throughout America and throughout different cities and different states, right? Mm-hmm. They A lot of times they move to D.C. to take advantage of our programming here in the city, right? Yeah. And they don't care about the barriers. They don't let the barriers stop them. They see that opportunity and they keep, they, they maximizing that opportunity. Right. And a lot of times, if I enroll someone into a some kind of apprenticeship program and they go through the apprenticeship program, they get the apprenticeship, they get certified in whatever field that they was into. And now they stopping right there because now they looking for someone to give them a job. Right. I'm going to say it like that again. They looking for someone to give them a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, you have that certification now behind you, right? You certified now. Go out here and go hunt. Go out here and go hunt because DC is not the only place that you can work with that certification. Right. So if you don't want to get up in the, early in the morning and jump on that subway and ride out Fairfax to that job, then you are hurting yourself. So for me, it all, I always like to challenge you. You said it earlier, like I'm always thinking, right? And mm-hmm. I am. I'm a thinking man. So I like to challenge people to think further. Like, don't stop right there. Take a step back and look at the whole entire landscape of this. You know, don't broaden your, your horizons. Just don't stop right there. So I'm always getting people to, to think about how they can change their mindset so they truly can be able to move on. And you said the name of this podcast is God Post, right? And I tell people this all the time, like, nobody, no one cares about your feelings. Yeah. No yeah. one cares about your feelings, right? They gave you the opportunity. Right. Now it's up to you to maximize that opportunity. Right. Nobody don't care about that label that you have with you, right? Yeah. That doesn't matter. Now, some people can take that label and thrive with it because they know how to manipulate it and work the system, right? And that's fine. If you do that, then work it out, right? But no one cares about that label. What people care about is, okay, well, how can you, especially these corporations, and you know this, you worked in corporate America, they mm-hmm. care about their bottom line. Right. <laughs> how can you contribute to my bottom line? Yeah. That's it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about 
your upbringing and all of the things that America has done to you. I just, can I be who I am tonight? I, I have to say this. Yeah, keep it, like, keep it yeah, up. Yeah. Like, no, they don't care about what America has done to you. Right. They care about how you're going to contribute to the well-being of my company and are you a good investment. Mm-hmm. That's it and that's all. So if you put yourself in a position to actually get some skills and get trained up and get certified and all and all these things, and you once you get them and you stop right there because you saying, well, ain't nobody helped me trying to get a job. Like, no, like you can't come around me and have that kind of conversation because I'm like, okay, well, did you look out Merlin? Yeah, I looked out PG County. Like, no, Merlin is a big state, right? right. Did you look out? Did you go out Montgomery County? Did you go out Weeping? Did you where, where did you actually go to to really make sure that you are maximizing your opportunities? Yeah. And if you are not maximizing your opportunities, then you got to stop and take a look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. That's the first thing. But it's I mean it's been a journey. You know, it's very rewarding for me to really actually see a lot of my brothers and sisters that's thriving. You know, I know folks that that's homeowners now that's doing good for themselves. That's taking care of their family. I know folks that's um that's business owners that have hired other people from the community as well. So it's a lot of folks that's out here thriving, but also some folks that really need to understand like America don't owe you shit. Yeah, that's that's fact. <laughs> Y'all heard it straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and everything you just said, man, it was gonna lead to my last question as we close out, bro. Cause one thing, you know, everybody listening, you know, me and Derek work together twenty sixteen and one thing I learned, which I, I would say recently, once I got into HR, went back to grad school, I started learning about, you know, we talked about it in class and we talked about it in the office about emotional intelligence. But before I, you know, start learning about this, before I, you know, left D.C. government, it was something you pulled me up on before I even looked into it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we was in the office, you know, we might joke cool and crap, but like, you know that like, I would be letting certain stuff get to me. And I remember, you know, one day you pulled me, he was like, man, I'm concerned about you. And you pretty much like, you know, pulled me up and was like, like, look, bro, like you can't take none of this stuff personal. Like you can't let none of it get to, you know, we had some wild little times and all <laughs> stuff that would make anybody mad, but I would notice how, you know, you would keep your composure or I would know when you would be blown because you're just being to me and smiling. <laughs> but it's like, that time you pulled me up on that, like once I left there and, you know, went back to school, started working, man, I learned the importance of it. Cause it's like, bro, you take this stuff personally, let it get to you. Like end of the day, then people don't care about you. You stressing yourself out. You, you putting yourself into a depressed state or just get mad about something. So it's like, the, you know, to hear you say that, like, man, and like, what you say, you know, game ain't based on sympathy. Like I understand, you know, what you was trying to pull me up on back then. Like, I appreciate you for that, bro. Like for real, because I it's even times I had it work and I might have a day. Like I will remember that conversation. And I remember like you coming over that joint. You know how you be in your thinking mode and you looking at me like, man, I'm concerned about you, Slim. Like I'm hollering me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you know that that's from live experience, though, right? And that's from my OGs doing that to me too, right? Like, hey, and like, and because a lot of times, um, the game that I give back is the game that folks have gave to me, but also that I have learned throughout life as well, right? And yeah. I had to realize that, you know, everything, I ain't going to say everything, but majority of the things that we j- jump into here in this world, transactional relationships, right? And a lot of times we allow our emotions, and I'm speaking to me as well, right? We allow our emotions to get the best of us, mm-hmm. right? 
and we feel like okay just because we see how things should be and how things should operate doesn't mean that the way that the game that we are playing in is operating that way right yeah and we always have to remember what made us suit up and jump into the game it wasn't because of whoever decided to invest in us, meaning whoever decided to hire us to do a job for they for them or their company, right? Mm-hmm. It was because we wanted to experience that and we wanted better for ourselves and we know what we needed to do in order for us to actually get there and get to our end goal, right? And a lot of times we get sidetracked with them and yeah, we get sidetracked because we say, okay, well, this is this ain't working out for us. And especially us black men, right? I'm always like, hey, just pause for a second. Because what did you have have to endure to get to where you at right now? Yeah. You know, it's something that Jada kids say all the time. That's I mean, he don't say it all the time, but he said in one of his rhymes that stuck with me. He said, Man, it's gonna be bullshit in anything that we do, right? Now he said it's gonna be bullshit in any contract that right he said it is up to you to make sure once you get in that you stay in right so i so me having that conversation with you was like hey i know what you're aiming for mm-hmm. don't let nobody knock you off your off your off your square right and get you distracted from your end goal you know what your end goal is yeah don't give anyone that much power over you to control your emotions, right? Because the person that control your control your emotions control you. Yeah, they they won. Yeah, they won, right? No, don't let them beat you. Now, if now if you come to a an agreement within yourself, like you know, some this fight right here is not even worth it. Then it's fine. You jump off and you and you move on to something else. But you stay in the game, right? You stay in the fight. And sometimes what bothers me is because I see it all, I see, I have seen it quite too often. It's like people give up. People give up too soon and too easily. I'm like, hey, stop right there. Don't give up, man. You got to yeah. keep it doing. Because if you would have gave up back then, would you be right here where you at today, right? Exactly. Now, it's okay to call the audible. Don't get me wrong. A lot of us need to call audibles. I'm in the process of calling an audible, right? Yeah. Like, all of us need to call the audible. <laughs> But don't get out the game. Yeah. Don't allow this one situation to prevent you from moving forward. Right. The moment you give that person the satisfaction of like, yeah, I I knew I could break him. Mm-hmm. Then you let that person win, right? You let that person win. And it's like, no, never give no. And something that my uncle, my God, rest his soul, one of the things that my uncle used to tell me all the time was, hey, the strong rules the weak, mm-hmm. but the wise rule them all. I'm going to say that one more time. The strong rules the weak, but the wise rule them all. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we got to stop, man, and it's outthink people. Right. And, and sometimes you got to back up and let the person think that they are winning. The whole time you're like, you think that you're winning, but I know what I came here to do. And as long as I get my mission accomplished, then I'm gone about my business. Yeah. So game ain't based upon simple is is real. You know, God boasts because the thing is, no one cares about I had to learn that early on. Like 
no one cared if I was a teen father and, you know, my father was hooked on drugs and my mom had to raise four boys by herself. Yeah. I I come from Ward 8. My zip code is 232. And they ain't care about that. Yeah, especially, you know, in this country. They, yeah. they, they tell you, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and as I got older and I started watching the immigrants come over, Mm-hmm. And I don't have any, and trust me, I'm I'm not anti anyone, right? I said, trust me, I'm not. But when I watch them come over, and I watch how they hustle, mm-hmm. and I ain't talking about not only Latinos, I'm talking about every immigrant that has came over, right? And I watch how they hustle, and I watch how they actually built up their generational wealth and their family, and they don't care about what you think about them. They'll walk around with holy shoes with the same suit on for 10 weeks straight. Yeah. They didn't care. They they not worrying about what you think about them. They focusing on their goal. And when you look at them five years down the road, you're like, oh, oh shit. They own half this block right here. And we still stuck on that corner trying to figure out how we gonna get five dollars so we can go get a box of chicken wings. Yeah. You know, like we gotta change our, we gotta change our way of thinking. Like we have to change our way of thinking and, and just say, yeah, don't get me wrong. America has done some some foul stuff to us. Don't get me yeah. wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, trust me. I'm, but it, I'm, but, I'm clear about it. Yeah, nah, it's hard to cut you off, but I'm gonna say I think it just go to what we discussed earlier. Is you know, because I was talking to moms the other day about this, is that like you just named the immigrants people to come over here, but what they did to us, they tore apart our family. So mm-hmm. with those, with we you know with the, we all know with the Latino culture and all that, yeah, they may work hard, but like they are really big on that family, you know, th- keeping that attack. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, with us, a lot of young men, young women, they just had to learn on their own and nine times out of 10, the streets get them. Yeah. Yeah, the streets get them, but the most important thing is, and that's another reason why I chose the line of work that I've been in for so long, right? Mm-hmm. It's because for us, for, when I say us, I'm talking about all the people that have won, right? That have beat the war, right? I feel like it's, we have an obligation to actually go back and give game like your podcast is doing, right? Give game to not only the younger generation, but our peers as well. Sometimes some of the OGs, because some of these OGs, some of these, I, ain't, I can't even call them OGs. Some of these older guys, right? They be needing wisdom from from people that's younger than them as well because they way of thinking still stuck, right? Right. But I feel like that's like for us that really have beat and we need to go back and, and drop these Jews and show and be real with people. Like one of the biggest things that I had to take some heat on from my wife early on in our marriage was because when we was finally in the position to uh, actually purchase a house, right? She wanted to move out Merlin. I'm like, nah, we're going to stay here in the city. We're going to stay right here in the neighborhood that, that I grew up in. Yeah. She's like, what? I'm like, nah, because I wanted, to, I wanted the youngest to see, like, hey, it's okay to be on the side of the fence and be successful and be cool, right? It's okay, young. It's okay for you to get up every day and go to work. Not only the youngest, but my peers as well, because I still had a lot of peers that wasn't feeling the nine-to-five gig, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's okay, but they still living with someone or, or shacking up with a girl. And I'm like, bro, I didn't grind for five years and I was actually able to purchase this piece of property right here. If I can do it, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that we get caught up into feeling like that we have to conform to 
the ways of of society saying, okay, well, if you once you become successful, you got to forget about your upbringing, you've got to forget about your neighborhood, you you got to forget about all that and, and move away from it. It's okay to go back and donate some money. That's fine if you do that, right? But if you really want to see change, true true change happen, get engaged, have them conversations. You know, having conversations with, with, with your peers and the young people and also some of the older guys as well. Like, man, look, man, we got to, if you want different, you got to do different. It's okay to get up and go to work. It's okay to go inside and learn this company, right? Yeah. Nobody's saying that you got to retire from this company, but it's okay for you to get up and go and go inside and actually do your job and get paid for your job. But to learn everything that you need to learn about this industry that you in so you can come out and start your own business and become yeah. a daggone vendor or, and a, or a contractor for this company that you're working for. Yeah. You know, we don't think like that. When I sit back and I think about, like, I'm, I was having a conversation with my, with my oldest brother um, actually yesterday, and he had some people to come out and um, cut down some trees for him in his, in his backyard, right? Mm-hmm. And he was having a conversation with the, um, it, actually, it was a guy and, and his, and his fiancee. They came down and cut trees down, right? Caucasian people, right? Mm-hmm. He was having a conversation with them. And he asked the guy, he said, how did you get into this line of business? He said, you know, I went to go work for a tree a tree removal company. I learned everything that I needed to learn. He said, they would treat me like I was some shit. He said, I learned everything I needed to learn. And I left that company and started my own business. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the way to look at it. I mean, <laughs> nobody want to do the nine to five forever. <laughs> yeah. You, you so, and... It's so many opportunities out here for us. Like being a business owner is not for everyone, right? And I don't encourage everyone to become a business owner, right? Or entrepreneur or whatever the case may be. But I also, when I think about wealth building, right? I'm always mindful of you can't build wealth by only one source of income. So even if you're working for a company, you have to figure out a strategy on how to get another source of income so you can build wealth for yourself and not become dependent on one thing to take care of you for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. I hope this was helpful. Nah, this man, this is amazing, bro. Like I can't wait to publish this one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for real. Cause it's like, man, people, like you said, like people need, like you said, just like have some of that, like law from older people. Like you said, everybody ain't an OG and you know, everybody ain't a big homie. Like they might just got their age on them, but, you know, they're not giving that game back. And that's what the main of this thing, this podcast, that people had access to this type of content, like, you know, right in their hands. Yeah. I mean, and I commend you for doing this, right? And I'm guilty of this as well, right? A lot of times we have these ideas sitting inside of our head, and for whatever reason, we just don't move on them, right? And I just commend you for moving on this idea that you that you had, man, and, and actually just following your dreams and doing everything that you need to do. I remember when you when you left government, you're like, man, watch. I'm on this right here. And I just quietly, like I do, sat back and watched your moves, man. And I'm yeah. just truly just, I'm honored that I know you and I can consider you as a friend and a homie, right? Yeah. And I just watched your moves, man. You have made some major moves and I know that you're not done yet, right? Yeah. I know that you're not finished. I know that it's a lot more land out here that you need to go conquer, and you definitely going to conquer that land. So just keep pushing, man. Just stay motivated, and don't let – you never 
But what I've seen, you never allow anyone to stop you or stand in your way from that, except that one time I had to pull you up. But outside of that, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, now nah, you've been good, man. But man, just keep pushing, man. And don't stop, you know, don't stop. And I'm about to give you a new nickname called a young Elliot Wilson, man. You know, y'all, y'all light skins guys are back in style again, man. <laughs> Elliot, hey, go ahead. <laughs> nah, man, I appreciate it, bro, for sure, man. So, yeah, man, thank you for coming on today, bro. We definitely got to do it again. You know, the world opening back up and everything. So I know future, like, I'm start doing like in-person joints like get a little you know the studios in dc and all that so we're gonna bring you back on bro continue the conversation man i i look forward to it man i thank you a lot man you know i'm outside so you know everybody say that but i'm outside yeah you out there <laughs> <laughs> so just pull up on me man you know and be long overdue as well we just need to catch up in person man this chapter yeah, facts um so man much love to you man you know you I, you definitely one of the young one of the young G's, man, the one that I truly can say that I'm honored, man, to be a part of your circle and a part of your cipher and a part of everything that you're doing as well. And I don't take it lightly, young young fella. Not at all. Yeah, man. Appreciate that, bro. All right. We'll talk soon, my friend. All right, bro. My man. All right. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.